clearing up any confusion that exists over Sabbath worship, next on Abounding Grace. If you turn back to the law in order to have a right relationship with God, that will be a great failure on your part. That's the whole point of the book of Hebrews. Don't go backwards. Don't go backwards. You have all that you need in Christ Jesus. Don't leave the rest that you have in Jesus to go back to the things that actually point to him in the first place. And worship on Saturday is not the only day that you can worship. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Well, maybe you've experienced it. Someone comes up to you and tries to convince you that we should only be worshiping on Saturday, and those that worship on any other day are not true believers. What do you say to that? Well, today on Abounding Grace, we learn the truth about the Sabbath through a proper understanding of the New Covenant. Pastor Ed Taylor will ask and answer a series of questions like, what is the Sabbath? And is keeping the Sabbath a sign you are saved? Here he is now in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 in a Bible study that I've entitled, The Sabbath and the New Covenant. The Sabbath and the New Covenant. And one of the reasons why I'm presenting the study today to you is because there are two primary groups that like to hover around Christian believers trying to trip you up over this issue of what's known as Sabbath worship. One group is a, an extreme form of the Messianic movement or the Jewish roots movement that would want to bring you back into the Old Testament and to live by the first five books of the Old Testament, which are known as the Torah. Now, we have studied through the first five books of the Old Testament as a church. There, those studies are up online because we believe those are important books of the Bible. And they're foundational in understanding so many things about God and His nature and the Old Covenant. But they are not exclusively the, work, the books that we use for God's instruction and for God's desire for our lives. And so there'll just be those among you that say, why aren't you um, celebrating the Jewish feasts? And why aren't you celebrating the Sabbath? And why are you worshiping on Sunday? That's one group that likes to hover. A second group that loves to make this an issue are known as the Seventh-day Adventists. The Seventh-day Adventists probably take the most strongest view of Sabbath worship. And some will go as far as to say that you are not a true believer if you're not worshiping on Saturday. Some would go even far to say that if you worship on Sunday, if you worship on Sunday, that you have taken the mark of the beast. And that if you don't worship on Saturday, not only you're not a true believer, but you are caught up in paganism, you're self-deceived, and that's simply not true. That is not a true teaching of the Bible, and it's not the heart of God. Maybe you've heard a few of these things. Things like, you're not obeying God when you don't keep the Sabbath. And that idea of keeping the Sabbath has been turned into worshiping on Saturday. That's the only day that you can gather together to worship is Saturday, some say falsely. 
Maybe you've heard someone say, uh, God never changed the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. And you would be correct. God never changed the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. It has not been changed. Saturday is Saturday and Sunday is Sunday. Some people say Sunday worship is of the devil. Some people would say you're not going to be blessed if you, don't worship on, if you don't worship on Saturday and on and on and on. If you haven't heard these yet, eventually, unfortunately, you probably will. Because there are people today, like there were in the early church, making diets and days the true measurement of both maturity and unfortunately, some people make it the measurement of whether you are really saved or not. They try to lay what is known as a works trip on you. That in order to be saved, these are the particular works you must do and continue to do, but it's simply untrue. The Bible is clear that we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. None of us can boast of our good works. Because after all, what are our good works that we're not motivated first by the love of God in our lives? Apart from God, all we had were bad works. But now in Jesus Christ, he's living his life through us, and we get to enjoy worshiping him. So before we move on in our Hebrew study, verse by verse, it's important that we pause and ask the question, what about the Sabbath? Or Answering the question, must Christians only worship on the Sabbath? Because with the rise of the popularity of the Messianic Jewish movement and various organizations, both Christian and non, that, lead, that lay this heavy legalistic trip about keeping the Sabbath, it continues to trip up simple, sincere believers that just want to worship God. Number one, we're going to ask a series of questions and answer them. Here's question number one. What is the Sabbath? What is the Sabbath? Notice with me in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well to, as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest for he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Verse 4. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. The seventh day, also known as the Sabbath, this day of rest, what is the Sabbath? Well, you can mark that word seventh day. You can write next to it Sabbath. And it literally means to rest from your labor. It means to rest. It's a Sabbath day of rest. Just like with God, at the end of creation, on the seventh day, he rested. Now understand that the rest of God doesn't mean he ceased from all activity. Other way though, otherwise, the world would have fallen apart. It simply refers to that the creative work of God in those seven days was ended. Now, this is for a different Bible study at a different time, but I do want to say this at the outset. The pattern of God of resting still exists today, physically. And the pattern was simply six days you work, on the seventh day you rest. And so it is vital that you and I learn how to rest and to take a day of rest where we generally don't do anything but cease from our labor and enjoy our relationship with God. 
Now, there isn't a particular day that's necessary that you do that on, but I know this. For those of you that are working six, seven days a week, 12, 15 hours a day, you will not be able to do that for very long before your body wears out. And so there is a practical principle from God that is still with us today. We have to learn to rest. Even in our culture that push, 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 and, and the, big, you know, the big buzzword in our culture today, in the business world, is the word efficiency. Let me, that, that's speaking in tongues. Let me give you the interpretation. Efficiency means we're going to work you as hard and as fast and as, get as much as we can out of you until you can't work anymore. Anybody ever been introduced to efficiency in their work before? Yeah. Yeah, I was too. Many years in the corporate world, they always were talking to us about efficiency. And that always meant that we would be working a lot harder than we were last year and a lot more. So that principle is still with us. Work, rest, work, rest. However, from a doctrinal biblical point of view, when the Sabbath is referred to, the Sabbath is, refers to a day of rest that was a sign of the old covenant. Let me show you. Turn over to Exodus chapter 31. The biblical definition of the Sabbath is a sign of the old covenant between God and Israel. It's a sign of the old covenant between God and Israel. Notice with me Exodus chapter 31. Pick up with me in verse 12. Now, you might even notice in your Bible, because I did last night, in Exodus chapter 31, you know how the Bible puts little titles up there. They're not inspired of God, but there's little titles to tell you what the paragraph's going to be about. Well, in my Bible, above verse 12, it says, sign of the covenant, the Sabbath. And here's what it says in Exodus 31, verse 12. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, speak also to, what does your Bible say? The children of Israel. Now, this is a very important distinction that we've been making through the book of Hebrews because the children of Israel is a distinct group of people. And this particular group of the children of Israel, this generation, was the generation that was delivered out of Egypt by Moses in answer to their prayer. This is the generation that doesn't enter into the rest of God. But because of their unbelief, they sin, and they sin against God. And he's, this is where God says, I swore my wrath, they won't enter into my rest. This is all, this is the same generation. So notice it says, speak to the children of Israel saying, surely my Sabbaths you shall keep for it is a sign between me and you through all your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. The Sabbath was given to Israel as a sign of the covenant between them and God. Six days you were to work, on the seventh day you were to rest. And there were very various Sabbaths. There were weekly Sabbaths, monthly Sabbaths, to hold fast to, even yearly Sabbaths. It was a sign between God and Israel. Strict guidelines for the Sabbath to Israel are given in Exodus chapter 35, Leviticus chapter 23, and Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 26. Now, according to Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 13, the Sabbath was not given to be kept by anyone until it was given to Israel in the wilderness. Truly, even as Jesus taught us, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. And you'll notice where the word man is, it doesn't use the word mankind. 
The Sabbath wasn't given to the Gentile nations. It was only given to Israel. It wasn't to be given to the world. It was given to this covenant relationship of the children of Israel and God, which leads us to question number two. Is keeping the Sabbath the sign that you are saved? So answer out loud if you know the answer. Is keeping the Sabbath the sign that you are saved? Another way of asking that question, is it the very seal of God in a believer's life? The answer is no. What, by the way, say it out loud. What is the seal of God in a believer's life? It's the presence of the Holy Spirit. You're right. A++ class. You're correct. Jot it down. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 21. And he who establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us in God, who has also sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Sabbath day observance, Sabbath day worship is not the seal of God, neither is it the sign and seal of your salvation. Somewhere along the way in church history, the false assertion that the only proper day of worship was Saturday was introduced to the church. There are those that would want to draw you back away from your freedom in Christ and your joy of worshiping Jesus in the new covenant, back to the old, as I mentioned earlier, to the Torah. And you would now be in bondage to keeping the festivals and keeping the rules and keeping the Sabbath. Now, listen, enjoying the festivals and enjoying the rich heritage of our Jewish roots of Judaism is nothing wrong with that. It's beautiful. You go to Israel with us, you will be amazed at the joy of walking the land. But if you turn back to the law in order to have a right relationship with God, that will be a great failure on your part. That's the whole point of the book of Hebrews. Don't go backwards. Don't go backwards. You have all that you need in Christ Jesus. Don't leave the rest that you have in Jesus to go back to the things that actually point to him in the first place. And worship on Saturday is not the only day that you can worship. Following the strict guidelines of the Mosaic Law, and by the way, it's referred to as the, as the Mosaic Law because it came from God to Moses, to the children of Israel. Not following the strict guidelines of the Mosaic Law, many think that Sabbath keeping means just having a worship on a particular day, but that's not what the Bible teaches at all. The Bible teaches us the pattern of work and rest. And it's important that you not be drawn back into a legalistic law relationship with God. Now listen, the Bible says there's nothing wrong with the law. The law is a revealer of the intent of the heart. The law shows us when we break it. You know, when we come across some rule or some law in the Bible, all it does is reveal to us that we can't be perfect. That, that we are unable to keep the law in our own strength. Well, we can't try and attempt to relate to God through a bunch of laws and rules and regulations because we are incapable of keeping them. And God never intended that in the first place. But rather, we learn of our insufficiency. We learn of our own weakness. We learn of our own failures when it comes to the law. The law reveals, the Bible says the law is a schoolmaster. It's a teacher. And what does it teach us? We have failed. 
or more clearly that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that we are in desperate need of the sufficiency of the grace of God in order for us to live a life that pleases him, that we are unable to live a perfect life at any time in our lives, but we are capable of, by faith, trusting in Jesus Christ, the perfect one who gave his life in exchange for your life. So the law isn't bad, it's good, except that it can be used in a wrong way. So please don't let anyone come alongside of you and try to impose upon you rules and regulations in your relationship to God that would make you some better Christian. You know, there are not two or three classes of believers. You know that. And, and sometimes we think that because we, you know, like, like you, may, you may have come to church today and this past week was just a really good week. You just had a great week. And, and you look back on it, you go, man, this was good. I was in the Word. I was in prayer. It was fun. I had a great week. And it may make you feel better than somebody that had a bad week. So now all of a sudden, we've got two categories of Christians. There are the good Christians, and there are the bad Christians. But there aren't two categories. There are not six categories. There are not a hundred categories. There's only one category of believer, and that is someone that has laid their life down and surrendered themselves to Jesus Christ, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We all fit that category. And so we meet, must be careful to walk in the Spirit that we don't fulfill the lusts of our flesh. So be careful that someone doesn't come and lay some trip on you and say, you can only worship on Saturday, which brings us to question number three. Why do we worship on Sunday and not Saturday? <laughs> now, of course, you know that we had service last night, Saturday nighters. So all I needed to say, if somebody came and brought some trip on them, they'd say, why don't you worship on Saturday? You could look at them and go, I do, bro. I do worship on Saturday. That's where I go to church on Saturday night. But for you guys, you're all in trouble. Because here we are on a Sunday. And most churches worship on Sunday. Around the world, in every language, every culture, worship as these larger gatherings like we have today is generally on Sunday. And so the question is why? Why do we worship on Sunday? I would say this before we answer the question. Technically, I think it's important that we are worshiping every day of the week. I think technically, when we come to this idea of worship, that we don't define worship as just this brief amount of time in the four walls of this building on this property, but rather our lives are lives of worship. That when you go to work at the cubicle, you are worshiping God. When you jump into the truck to deliver, you are worshiping God. When you're handling things at the cash register, when you're dealing with things at the, as the CEO, and everything in between, when you're changing diapers, and you're washing dishes, and whatever you might be doing, it is all acts of worship to the one true holy God in your life. And you worship God on Saturday, and you wake up in the morning on Sunday, and you wake up on Monday with a song in your heart, and Tuesday, you know, here as a church, we literally have something going on available to worship God with a group of believers here every single day of the week. Whether you're here for worship on Saturday night or Sunday morning, whether you come at two o'clock and worship in the Spanish, whether you're here on Monday gathering together or Tuesday with the most excellent way, or Wednesday we have another corporate worship service, or Thursday you might be gathering with the young, young marrieds or, or you might be gathering on Friday with the young adults or whatever it is that we might be doing, we worship God every day, all day in our lives. But I want you to consider something in our church. It just hit me um, for service. It just hit me as I was teaching. At least for the last eight years, our church family, you, part of Calvary Aurora, has provided a worship experience. Listen, 
For the last eight years, we have provided a worship experience pointing people to Jesus Christ every second of every minute, of every hour, of every day, of every week, and every month for the last eight years through Grace FM. Like this church is constantly, while you're asleep, your church is reaching out, inviting people to worship. While you're traveling on vacation, your church is reaching out, inviting people. People are getting saved at your church. You go, wait a minute, I wasn't there. Well, neither was I, but God was there, and the Word of God is going forth from you continually. Even as I'm speaking right now, this message is going out on the airwaves and reaching people that aren't here. It's, I'm not just talking about people that come to the website and click something and look, which those are thousands of people that do that every week. I'm not even speaking about that. I'm speaking about your personal investment and everybody that donates and helps support Grace FM. Everyone that's a part of that, there's going to be something about the eternal rewards where even now, all day, every day for the last eight years, you have been a worshipful church. And that's something to rejoice about. That is something to be excited about. That is something to be praying about because you are a part of 24-7 worship, whether you realize it or not. Your little church reaching this city, reaching this community, and going out over the airwaves in Jesus' name. We don't just worship on Sunday, church. Do you guys get that? Have I made my point? We don't just worship on Sunday. We don't just worship for the 90 minutes that you are here for a time of song and a few announcements and giving of the tithes and offerings. That's not it. We're, We're a part of something much greater in the body of Christ. And you and I, our hearts should be toward worship. Everything that we do is worshiping God. Everything we do as a church is to glorify and honor the supreme, sovereign God that sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. You've been listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're in the midst of a study in Hebrews. We hope you're getting a lot out of it. If you'd like to hear it again, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com. And we also offer the program by podcast. Look for us on Apple Podcasts. Another way to listen to Pastor Ed's teachings is through our mobile apps. Do a search for Calvary Aurora, and you'll be able to download both our church app and the Grace FM Colorado app. Thanks for your support of Abounding Grace. It does make a difference. Your donation today will help us present God's Word over the radio tomorrow. We're consistently receiving wonderful reports from listeners of how God is using the Word to help them grow by God's abounding grace, and you're helping to make that possible. And when you support this ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, we'd like to send you Winning the War in Your Mind by Craig Groeschel. Do you struggle with your thought life? Maybe it seems out of control. There is a way to break free from this destructive thinking, and that is by letting God's truth become your battle plan to win the war in your mind. You'll learn how in this wonderful book. Again, ask for a copy of Winning the War in Your Mind when you call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. If you just like to make a donation and aren't interested in the resource, just go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, with all this talk about worship and the Sabbath, it's probably a good idea to talk about how folks can join us for a worship service. And yes, we meet on various days of the week, including Saturday and Sunday. And Palm Sunday and Easter are right around the corner, too. Yes, it's such an exciting time, is it not, with Easter and Palm Sunday up ahead. And we have services we want you to visit, to be a part of us, of course, here physically. We're meeting in person here in Colorado. 
or online or through our app. And we meet Saturday nights. This is all mountain time. Saturday night, 6 p.m. Sunday mornings, 845, 1045. And we have a midweek Bible study, a corporate midweek Bible study at 7 p.m. And we have extra services planned for Easter, which is always exciting. We're going to have a 4 p.m. service and a 6 p.m. service on Saturday night, and we're also going to add a 6.45 service on Sunday morning. So we'll have extra services to make room. We have reasonable distancing. Yes, here in Colorado, we do have face coverings, and we encourage you and require it while you're on the property. And I know it's uncomfortable, but you get used to it. You'll get used to it. It's worth it. Come together. Let's worship together the least concern you should have is face coverings. The greater concern is worshiping, bringing your friends, inviting people to the Lord, and being open to a fresh work of the Spirit. So come on out. We hope you can stop by for a visit. And if you're outside the area or not quite ready to leave your home due to health concerns, you can always join us online. Join our online campus at calvaryco.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but come back next time when we'll resume Pastor Ed Taylor's study of Hebrews on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.